We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep slash Win in Six collab post game two podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my spectacular co-host, Rohan Kadi, and a guest from the faraway lands of winning six slash Ireland, Adam McGee. Rohan, Adam, how's it going? Could I'm not pretty be good. better. Could not be better. Am I still a guest? Yeah, that's what no, I was going to say. No, you're not yeah, a guest. You're not, you're not a guest. You're not a guest. Did I say guest or here? joined by? You said yeah, guest. We, I think he's oh. a beau, but yeah, hey, I'll I'll be a guest. You're doing the hosting, which is great. So <laughs> I guess if you're not the host, you're a guest. No, no, no. You're at home. You're you're just it's like new roommates. We're still sure. we're still feeling out the situation, figuring out whose toothbrush goes where, everything else, all the good stuff. But that doesn't matter. What does matter is the Bucks smacking the Miami Heat yet again. Our newfound confidence after game two and a little bit after game one. And I'm glad that we all kind of came together and thought that game one was overwhelming, majority positive, despite it being so close because they won. That helps. But the signs from that game seemed good for Milwaukee. The next two games have borne that out to be true. The Bucks win 113-84, pretty obviously sticking Miami's offense squarely in the mud a game where until the fourth quarter, I think Giannis was in single-digit scoring or just barely double figures. If he wasn't double figures, it just didn't matter. I mean, the Bucks are simply better than the Heat, and they're simply playing better, a better brand of basketball right now. And I think it's pretty obvious. There's a lot of ways we could go to start this one off. But Rohan, what stood out to you as the overarching 
theme of this game. That the Milwaukee Bucks have an answer for everything the mm. Miami Heat can do. The main thing coming into this game was what is Miami going to do? The obvious solution, what they went with, was actually going and starting Goran Dragic in place of Kendrick Nunn. That was done because, as we talked about uh, on previous postgame pods, Miami Heat's offense and their starting lineup can't get any creation off the dribble whatsoever. The one guy who can do that as a guard is Goran Dragic, and Kendrick Nunn has just not been delivering, so they just made that switch right away just to see what would happen. Like, not to see what would happen, but to see if that would jumpstart their offense, get Jimmy and Bam going a little bit, get another creator out there on the floor because Jimmy and Bam doing it by themselves clearly was not working for the Miami Heat. And what happened here? Well, it was another beatdown. <laughs> that well killed me. <laughs> well. <laughs> I thought that might have been a looking at Goran Dragic's stat line well because Could 3 of 14 from the field. Like, I, I think Spo was a game late with that adjustment to begin with. I think there wasn't necessarily an urgency on the Heat's part to be like, okay, we really got away with it just being a close game in game one because the truth is they were made to look pretty bad by losing that one. And I think at this point, my my main takeaway with it is the Heat are bad, but the books are making them look absolutely terrible. Yeah, like It, it is mind-blowing just how bad the Heat look in this series. I can't think of too many recent examples like this. And even from a book's perspective, you think of the revenge element and it brings you back to Celtics in the second round. I mean, at least the Celtics won the first game. They posed some, some issues that the, the books had to answer to, but the heat have gotten nothing. No, they don't. And I think what's striking to me is just the fact that every, it seems like every little thing that Miami does, whether it's a strategic thing or just simply some shot making and going on a run, the Bucks have an answer for. Like every single time. Every heat run is answered by a Chris Middleton back to the basket turnaround jumper or a Bryn Forbes curling three or whatever else it is. Every single time they have an answer. Bielitsa comes into this game and finally somebody on the heat is making shots in this game. Giannis hunts him out and draws draws free throws like eight possessions in a row and just puts the game away completely. Like it just, and there's a, a bunch more examples. And that was what was really impressive to me because, you know, in months past and in years past, the Bucks thing was they would have these runs where they looked really great, but I just felt like they never could sustain it, especially if a team was fighting back. This was not a team that could break momentum. And I just feel like right now that's what they're doing every single game. I mean, it's obviously a very comfortable Bucks win in the end. They were up by 30 or they won by 29. They were up by 30 at some points in the fourth quarter. But there were times when it was closer to 20, even closer to 10. And Chris Middleton in the third quarter, huge, putting it away. Giannis going at Bielitsa in the fourth quarter, like multiple different times when the Bucks, you could tell they took it more seriously. I think in years past, they did not approach some of these things seriously enough that's how you have leads in all those Toronto games that you blow. That's how you have lead in some of the Miami games last year that you blow. This year, I think strategically, Bud, um, we'll talk about a lot of it. They've they've certainly been better in that aspect, no question. But just the entire team's persona, I think, is a lot more like we've got business to take care of here. We're going to take care of it. And now they have three games in a row. 
I mean, th- this game was over at the end of the first quarter. I I know what you're saying in terms of yeah, it was a ten point game. At times, it was a twelve point game. Was it ten? Did it really get? I, that? It got yeah, close to it ten. Did. I thought. It did, did it get to ten? Actually, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it did. But the Heat scored 14 points in the first quarter, and at that point, you're like, oh, they just can't score enough points. Like yeah. they've they cannot afford one quarter where they dip that far below any kind of average because they haven't scored 100 points yet outside of overtime in the series. It's it's just not. It, it's very hard to take them seriously. <laughs> like that is the point I'm getting to with it. And the books, their defense is just incredible, and obviously that's really fueling it. But the offense is ticking along really nicely too. That when you just when you have the Heat struggling like they have been offensively, any kind of blip for them, and you're like, they're just not going to be able to score enough points. And I I don't know how they can find anything to dig themselves out of that. I mean, they're now staring the eggs in the face. I I don't know what they have up their sleeve, particularly with like Goran Dragic having started today. Is it? Are they going to go to like Belicia, I think they have to, which is just, just hilarious. It's not; it's clearly not going to work. Cooked. We saw it. We saw him get cooked. <laughs> See, the thing is, even though they had Goran Dragic in the starting lineup, what I was really perplexed by is that they just didn't spam Goran Bam pick and roll to start the game because that's maximizing Goran Dragic in your starting lineup, and they just didn't go to it at all. Because, like, theoretically, if you have Dragic going out there, it, he's someone who can, you know, hurt Brooke a little bit and get Bam's secondary creation going. They didn't even try it. It just baffled me. Like, they, they didn't even maximize the adjustment they were trying to make. I wonder if some of that is a little bit of acknowledging that after that... Bam sucks. <laughs> what do we call him, Adam? He's Sham bio. I love it. Um, Bam, Bam was hiding in the first half, though. Oh, like yeah. that's you, how can you run a pick and roll with a guy who's basically trying to be invisible on the court? It's it's really strange. They, they are force feeding him shots to start these games, and for the second game in a row, nothing going in because you can tell he doesn't like. He, you're right; he did not want to shoot any of those, and he found a little bit of a rhythm in the second half. It was way too late by then. But the second game in a row, they're purposefully trying to get him in that mid post area shooting his floaters or jumpers or whatever. And for the second game in a row, he makes nothing. The Heat offense stalls even harder than normal early. You talked about 14 first quarter points. And the Bucks take the game and don't look back. Like, it's pretty – I mean, I don't want to say it's a, a mistake. I think they probably need to get him going to have any sort of a chance. So you kind of just have to roll the dice. But by doing it and having it not working, the Heat are just handing – the Bucks the game basically right away and saying run with this if you want to and the Bucks have twice. It wasn't even just Bam though. There was a possession. I think it was in the second quarter where just no Heat player would take a shot. They were all yeah. just like circling and circling, and then Jimmy Butler like passed it off to Trevor Ariza, and Trevor Ariza's going is like no, not me. <laughs> And I, I can't remember who ended up. It might have been Dragic took the shot, and I think Brooke blocked it. Brooke came across to block the shot. It's just like not one of these guys will take a shot at that point. And I look, a lot of credit goes to what the books have done for two games before that, how well the drop has worked. Bam has certainly helped the books on that front and making it more effective. But it is a testament to what Brooke's done. Um, I, I don't know what broadcast either you were watching, but there was. Uh, 
a nice little bit that was flagged up on the Bali Sports Wisconsin broadcast where Marcus Johnson showed PJ Tucker waving, basically Giannis waving him off Jimmy Butler to go and play some weak side defense. And it's something that even in as much as we've seen Giannis on Jimmy Butler and it's been decisive in the series, there are these moments where if it's Bam, for example, and Brooke has him, Giannis has some of that freedom to kind of play some free safety kind of defense, you know, which is is always one of the things he does really, really well. It's one of his greatest attributes. And I just the heat of no answers. It's really incredible. I mean, they just look like a team that are out of ideas. They go to the zone, which they should have gone to earlier in the series again, and the books just pick it apart with ease. I think it comes down to the Heat personnel and not having enough players that the Bucks need to respect out there. Trevor, back-to-back zero burgers, Ariza, not getting the job done for you as a starting small forward opposite Giannis, Rohan? Hey, I'll tell you what. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Really isn't. Um, But yeah, there's just this Heat team, just they don't have it personnel-wise. Like they're, They're not built for this sort of situation. The heat culture is sort of failing. I'm just, that's a random shot that I just took, but I don't think it's random at all. They had all year to get ready for this. They lost true. one guy who they got mid season who played like four games for them and all the depot. Otherwise I'm not even is, sure if it was four games. Maybe they're, they're also, they're this getting outworked out hustled. Yeah. And like the books are just bullying them. The books never do this to anyone. This is really encouraging. And this is something where, You've got to look at and you've got to be like, okay, yeah, having guys like Bobby Portis, like PJ Tucker on the roster is bringing a different kind of dog out in some of these guys. And it's really important because I know something Jordan and I have talked about on the podcast over the last couple of years, the season ends. And one of the things that kind of comes up is, you know, are the books just a bit soft? And the books have been soft. There's just not even the the faintest sign of that so far. I was particularly in the first quarter, and I know the Heat had one spell where they got a few offensive rebounds, but obviously the books have owned owned the glass in general, but particularly the offensive glass so far through the series. But there was just this sequence where it's like every book, whether it's like Bryn Forbes or Pat Connon, it doesn't matter who's out there. They're just, oh, we'll miss a shot. We'll miss a shot. We're just going to keep batting the rebound out over and over and over again. And you can just see Bam shrinking and shrinking and getting smaller and smaller every time it happens. Not that he's the best rebounder, but he's not able to, he's not able to box out. They're not clearing out and just being like, oh, someone go and get the rebound. It's, it's really impressive because that's something that for all we've talked about, you know, the ways the books have prepared for, a different look to be a different team this postseason. I wasn't anticipating them coming out like as a tough team, as a team that has some real kind of edge and fight without getting caught up in any nonsense, without getting kind of taken off their game plan, their game. And, and without, that's, without that's needing a big to deal. drop a game first either. I mean, this is 100%. The kind of thing, look at the, the Boston series you talked about, the Orlando series last year. I mean, this was a team that would take a game to get serious. And even then, like, I totally agree. Even when they were serious, they weren't this tough ever. I think it's an entirely different look. The Heat have been out-rebounded by 13, by 25, and by 13 in the first three games of the series. And, yes, the Bucks are bigger, and that helps. But there are a bunch of times when P.J. Tucker muscles in there and just bats it back out. Brooke Lopez is going over two guys 
obviously before Dante got hurt, he was grabbing all sorts of rebounds. We'll have to touch on that in a little bit. I mean, we don't really have any info. Looks like he hurt his ankle. He was ruled out, but he was on the bench. Hopefully that means it's not going to be a super prolonged absence. I mean, I think my read was you definitely want to be safe in this situation, in this game, in this series. I mean, he's played fairly well. It was actually a really pretty bad start for him, but the way Pat and Bryn were playing, I just don't think there was that much of a concern that you needed him in this game especially. But um, the toughness is is so evident, and I just think I couldn't agree more that adding your Drew Holiday, your P.J. Tucker, your Bobby Portis has given this team an entirely different edge, and I think it's really translated to the holdovers. The one I see it in the most, I think, is Chris Middleton. Like I feel like he has battled for some offensive rebounds in big moments, and it just I just think his shot-making has been more game-to-game consistent than ever. And just maybe not even making, just his shot attempting. I mean, he stepped up in huge moments, I think in at least in game one and game three. And the only reason he didn't in game two is because everybody else was hitting every damn shot and they didn't need him to do anything. Graham Forbes was taking his shots. Let's say the all up in game two. But I just think like the demeanor is just different and it's striking every single time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, I just think that coupled with better personnel, coupled with a better approach, you know, schematically, it just makes this team look so much better than we've ever seen it before. I mean, this is another one like that Boston series that people are and you know, the national consensus is just going to be making fun of the team that loses. And I mean, fair, they look awful. We're doing that, too. But the Bucks deserve a bunch of credit. I mean, this is the best postseason Bucks team we've ever seen. I don't think it's that close. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. For sure. I I like that you brought up Chris Middleton and his aggressiveness. It's just he he looks like he's going out there to embarrass Duncan Robinson every possession down the floor. That was how they beat the zone. Exactly. That was especially evident during the third quarter. Was it the second quarter where they really deployed the zone? I think uh, it was the, the, yeah. And it, I mean, Milwaukee only scores 23, which is the lowest of their, 
of quarter for them, one point below the best Miami quarter, which is the story of the game. But go on, Rohan. Yeah, so they deploy the zone in the second quarter. So Chris Middleton's answer, I know, Ty, you were tweeting about this, is just to go and uh, pull up in Duncan Robinson's face uh, every possession down the floor. And because of that, the Heat actually had to adjust to that because that's not sustainable defense that they can play here. They have to go back to man-to-man coverage. And like in the third quarter, when we were talking earlier about like runs and it being closer, Miami was starting to get a little more momentum there. And Chris Middleton took as many shots as he did in game two in that third quarter. Like I've given it's five shots, but still <laughs> like he, he went three for five in that quarter. He just feels like he was making plays and responding to every single thing that Miami was doing and not letting them get any momentum whatsoever. And I think that was just the Bucks team overall. Every time the Heat would have like a big play, like for example, the Bam at a bio dunk at the end of the third quarter. Like he actually, <laughs> he celebrated that way too much. Uh, like scoreboard, is, scoreboard, my guy. Peak embarrassment. Like <laughs> this is a guy. How many All Star games he playing? One or two. One. One. I think one. I think just one. He's an All Star. He's already been on a team that's had a great playoff run. He's humiliated the team that he is now down trio against and he's dunking down like 22 at the end of the third quarter and he's letting out like a primal screen this is like something some second rounder you've never heard of like playing for the bulls in april does it's like remember jordan bell at the end of a game throwing an off the backboard dunk it's like that (laughs) i just that's that's just such a kind of it's such a weird betrayal of the reputation that bam had built up for himself like coming into all of this is then having a really bad series, looking a shell of himself and then reacting like that is just kind of like the mentality is off. It's like, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. I I think it was a fake it. till you make it thing. Like, I think he's trying to get himself in some sort of a positive mindset for game four, which good luck. But, and even though he, he had that dunk. And then what I was trying to say is drew holiday came and cooked him for a jumper at the other end. Yeah. The two points were gone immediately. Exactly. Every single time that the heat had a little bit of momentum, it was just neutralized immediately. And drew was the other guy just to talk about kind of beating the zone who made a couple of really big shots. Like the one mid range jumper in particular, and the amazing thing about Drew is, look, he's he's a fine, he's above an above average jump shooter, but he's just a big time shot maker. Oh, yeah. It's it's when when it's like this is an exclamation point shot, you feel like he's gonna make it, and that was one of those moments where again it's like okay, the heater gongs on, what's gonna happen? And yeah, it may not have been the book's best quarter. In fact, it was their worst quarter of this game. But they they found ways to score. They won the quarter by a point, you know. So mm. if that's the Heat's best punch, it's not really much of a punch at all. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. The Bucks need to work on passing through zones. They were really bad, I think, at trying to dice up that zone. But I love that in the moment, instead of getting cute, getting too complicated, it was literally like Chris and Drew are going to go find Miami's weakest defender. In that moment, it was Duncan Robinson. In a lot of moments, it's Duncan Robinson. It's mostly just Duncan Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why he had what five fouls in the game. Yeah, they 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 have completely flipped his script from game one. I mean, credit to the Bucks for just absolutely saying he passed up a shot in this game. That's how you know Duncan Robinson is having a bad time. It was top of the key. He had a good amount of space, 
and he just didn't shoot it. And I was like, oh, they're broken. Like Miami's broken now. I mean, if that guy is not shooting ever, that it's just it's broken. It's put it in rice and hope the, the water comes out. Like that that just Doesn't can't work, happen. By the way, a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know whatever, Rohan. Um, but. I just I love though that that was like the in-game solution is just like you know what let's not get too complicated either they're going to double Chris or Drew or they're just going to cook that guy over and over and and lo and behold the, like you mentioned Adam the Bucks win the quarter my eyes got real big while you were talking I saw a number on the stat sheet while you were talking about Drew Holiday his plus minus in yep. this game is just obscene Ooh. he played it's 30 the highest points. plus minus by a buck in a playoff game ever oh my god what a pull great stat Rohan Drew? It's a plus 41. Yeah, we should say that. Plus 41 oh, sorry. I'm sorry. 34 when does, when does plus minus start getting recorded? It's a great question. Because yeah, I know I, it's I know it's not going all the way back, but I am curious, just like, if it was in the 80s, that's really impressive. Uh, like, really, really impressive. If it counts Kareem, it was really, really it definitely, definitely does not count anymore. those books same. So it might count some of the 80s, I, right? I apologize. It's the highest by a Bucks player in a playoff game since 1997. Oh. Still still good. Still good. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, think about how many blowouts they've had in the last three years. I mean, it's really impressive given they just kicked around a Detroit team for two yeah, years. I was just with the mention of the Pistons. When you talk about plus minus, how can you not mention beating the Pistons? The Tony Snell was probably like a plus 39 at some point in that series. But I mean, I think we, I say this every time plus minus super noisy in single games. What? He didn't play in that series and that was a problem. Well, there were two of them, but whatever. (laughs) Single game plus minus can be noisy, but I think it does speak for the 50th time. I'm going to say this after every Drew Holiday game. I think it does speak to his impact. 19, another double-digit assist game for Drew Holiday. Like That's just what to say. Like, he falls up 15 with 12. Like That's nuts. It's, 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 very, it's very impressive in part because it's not necessarily even the way that he has to play or the books always ask him to play or expect him to play. Um, but it is a really good sign for the books as in they're just... They're feeling their way through the series and they're just happy to do what it takes to win. Like and Giannis's numbers tonight are also just a prime example of that. It's it was never an issue. There never had to be panic about it. You can let, if they're gonna go zone, be like, okay, well, let's let Chris and Drew hunt out mismatches and knock down mid-range jumpers. And the thing generally with just mismatches, whether it's getting Duncan Robinson, whether it's um hunting down and the Manu Bielitsa late in the game. Or whether it's Trevor Ariza being on Brook Lopez so often. It's just, that is such a, how are you letting it happen so much if you're the Heat? I mean, I know Brook had a rough spell kind of third, third quarter, quarter where yeah. he he was probably getting some fouls there that weren't getting called. Mm-hmm. He was getting a little agitated himself, but I don't mind that because he was still kind of, he was embracing contact in a way that the books need him to. And that the Heat are just like setting up to happen because you're having Trevor Ariza on him half the time. Trevor Ariza can't cope with, you know, I don't know, probably can't cope with Chris's strength. So let alone getting Brooks, size and strength in the mix. It's just, it's bad news for the Heat. I will say for all the amount of times I've said, you know, not, you know, Bud is coaching a great series, but Spo just doesn't have the pieces. Ariza still starting. It's just stupid. Like it's dumb. It's pretty indefensible. He's they don't have anyone else. Do do? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Andre Iguodala. Oh come Why on! Why do die. people keep saying Ariza is good defensively? What is he doing defensively that's good? 
getting cooked. What would Andre Iguodala do? Defend. He's going to do one of the two things more than uh, than a reason. I I honestly, I'm not entirely sure. I like, I'd be willing to see it if I was a Heat fan. I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's take a look. But I, I don't know. This could be the series where if you were to put him out, everyone'd be like, oh well. Iggy's not a good defender anymore, or he at least Every can't defend Giannis like, and Chris. The court, he's been cooked. He's made he's made, scored more points tonight than Ariza has in his last two games. So three, <laughs> yes. Ariza's got zero. You can't play a guy who's scoring zero and getting cooked every time. What's the that's, point? Okay, that's what fair. do you have to gain? Try anything else. One game, sure. And I know he's not playing a ton of minutes. He plays eighteen minutes, but you're starting the game with this guy and getting cooked. Every single time. I mean, Bam is a problem. Jimmy, outside of a couple spurts around the around both sides of halftime, being pretty passive is a problem. It's, like, it's going to be Bielitsa. Like, he, he scored 14 points for as much as the books absolutely, like, Giannis eyes lit up for the first time oh, yeah. in the game, the first time in the series. 14 points is better than zero points, Ty. You're, you are correct. I would rather go with Deadman. I think Deadman stinks too, but he does something. See, the thing is, Deadman would probably be the Heat's best answer because the reason we're seeing a lot of Ariza on Brooke Lopez is because the Heat have actually made the decision to finally put Bam on Giannis, even though that wasn't really the issue at hand for the Miami Heat. But that's neither here nor there. So what do you do with Trevor Ariza? You have to put someone on Brooke Lopez. And he... Uh, Bam's the biggest guy on the court. You know, so Miami's only answer there is probably to start Deadman so you can at least match size there a little bit. I think they're going to start Bielita. It doesn't matter, but I just thought oh, it doesn't matter. Both of them are just going to get put in a blender like they have been the entire series. I, just, I don't I don't get a reason. I just don't. It's one of those things. Other people might get it. I don't get it. Like Twitter just keeps circling. Oh, he's a pretty good defender. He's not. He's done. No, he he was done. a long time ago, but it's same with Iguodala. They the Heat sure. bought into something that they're now finding out way way too late. Just doesn't work. It's Old just it's not something you can don't work. You sorry, just Marv. can't hang your head on it. <laughs> sorry, Marv. Sorry, Ursan. Sorry, Nico. Not PJ though. Sometimes they work if they're not bad. I, I the Heat. If the Heat had Ursan or the Heat had Marvin Williams. They'd be in with a much better chance this year. Well, that's series. that's Kelly Olinick, right? Yeah, that's who they're missing. Sure. Olinick would have been Olinick is like Bielitsa if Bielitsa wasn't just really at bad the, at everything except Olinick can grift in, himself into solid defense. Bielitsa can't do that. Yeah. Olinick's he actually like he's a dirty player, but he's like he he's effective. He would have clearly been one of their best four players in this series. Oh, without a doubt. But they traded away, trading him away. Two, the trade? <laughs> Seriously, like, or yeah, I mean, he might have played like it. Did he you see the stats he was putting up for the Rockets? I mean, okay, I'm not gonna read There's too a much. Lot of, on a books podcast in particular, we could talk, talk about a lot of guys who've been putting <laughs> up stats for the Rockets. Don't want to read too much into it. That aside, though, um, yeah, it's just any anybody over Ariza. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still a little surprised Precious has played like eight minutes in this series. Well, because he was getting clamped by Mavadi Diakite. Like, Just yeah. listen to what you're saying, though. You're a little surprised Precious Achua has played how many minutes? I don't know. He played four in this. He's probably played like 12. No, he's probably played more because he got to play a lot in game two. He's probably played like 20 minutes. <sighs> I'm I mean, more surprised that like... <laughs> The, the names books. run out quickly. You don't Why are people complaining about the size of Bud's rotations? Because at this point, we've got like 13 guys playing a night. It's just, <laughs> it's too, does he not know it's the playoffs? 
There we go. There we go. I'm still surprised we haven't seen any Haslam minutes. Saving it. Is he a better option than a reason? You know what? He might be the guy. He'd bring more toughness. <laughs> he he would at least bring something positive for the Miami Heat, and that's culture. <laughs> I think it's over. It's over. I mean, my, my prediction kind of all along. One, I I think we talked about Wait, this at the that, game. Was that a one question. If it's over, I was talking about Heat culture, not the series. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, the series has been over. Series is yeah, over. That's that's over. What, no, no, yeah, that's, I'm not. No, yeah, but obvious. I don't even mean the series being over. I mean it's over in four. Like this oh, is yeah. not. This is not getting back to Milwaukee. It's it's, just, it's, it's not, not about momentum. It's not about anything else. It's, it's just. The fundamental problem for Miami, Adam, you already covered it. They can't score points. And it turns out if you can't score points, it's pretty hard to win a game where the team with the more points wins. And it it really is that simple. And Miami has a lot of issues defensively. They're going to have even more when they start Bielitsa and or Deadman for the next game. But they just can't score. And nothing they've done has changed that. I mean, if I told you we get through three full games of this, Jimmy and Bam both have yet to, at all have scored 20. Neither one has hit 20 points in a single game. Jimmy scored 40 in game one against the Bucs last year. A really, obviously, important game. He scored, like, 46 this whole series. Like, that's that's it. It's that simple. We're going to dive into more because there's a lot to talk about, and obviously things will carry over for the Bucs playing a real opponent next round. But Jimmy and Bam just being completely neutralized for 99% of this thing that's it. It's over. It's cooked. Like that's not really solvable. And we've seen brief flashes of things that worked, but I think the Bielitsa run this game is going to seem an awful lot like the Deadman run in game two when we're halfway through game four and he's like one for four and the heater down 40. Do you want to hear a fun stat from stat news? Uh, Jimmy Butler is a minus 68 on this series. Ooh, what uh, was it tonight? Drew- minus 26. Wow. Yeah. Drew Holiday is a plus 88. <laughs> in three games. Yep. My goodness. Can I ask a question that's going to seem flippant, but it's not. I actually think beyond the laughing that it may provoke, there's just something there. I'm ready. Is there a team in the Eastern Conference that wouldn't have given the books a better series than what the Heat are doing and what the Heat will do in total? Just in terms of actual personnel, like take the Wizards. Wizards very flawed. I'm not saying the Wizards are going to be mixing up with the books. My wizard, my wizard. <laughs> is Bradley Beal going to do a whole lot more to hurt the books than anything the Heat have? Yeah. I mean, it, the Knicks are the one that I'm not sure. I think about. the Celtics, too. The Celtics just ran out of players. It's Tatum and no one. And Tatum doesn't always play that well against the Bucs. I think they probably would have had one game that is good, but so did the Heat. Like, the, I, I, I think the Hawks absolutely would have given uh, the Bucks yeah. a tougher series. Yeah, I'm glad we did not catch the Hawks. Without doubt. Not having to see that shooting is a help. And not having to see that one guy, one just, guy in yeah, particular. Yeah, we don't want to see that one guy. Um, that one guy stunk last game. I wouldn't bet on it happening all the time. Okay, and I'm just, particularly against hey, the I'm books. keeping the against positive the books, vibe. This I've, is a good podcast. Like we're, um, we're staying positive. Yeah, no, we are positive. But I, I, my thing is, I just think the Heat are right it's, now as bad as bad as it gets for a team to play the books. And I think, which is, it's just crazy because going into the series, we thought they'd be the worst. It was pure residual fear. That's all it was. It was a hundred percent. If these teams had not met last year. I think it's an entirely different story. I don't think I took in enough about what this year's Heat team was. I think there was just too much 
residual thoughts of last year. But it really, I mean, I said on either game one or game two pod that like it basically everything had flipped from last year. And two things about that are standing out to me. One, this at, in this game, one is like Bam running into walls over and over. And I was like, enjoy being Giannis, but way worse <laughs> for, for a series. And two, it's like the Bucks went from drawing the absolute worst matchup to the absolute best matchup because this Miami offense is by far the worst possible to play against the Bucks. Like everything the Bucks can do really well on defense works really well against this Miami team. Like, Again, if Jimmy and Bam, just the way that they do not shoot, it just makes it so hard to ever score against a team that's going to play Giannis and Brooke Lopez together this often. I think Jackson Frank, uh, future Blue Wire host, by the way, shout out, uh, mm-hmm. put it really well on Twitter when he said, uh, what did he say here? Um, I can't believe this Heat team uh, that had a negative regular season net rating <laughs> would challenge the Bucks. <laughs> it says it all, really, doesn't it? I mean... The amount of people who picked the Heat in this series, it didn't surprise me because I mean I think we're all used to this at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, there's also like when we consider that they are they're just a dream for the Bucks defense to face at this point. It's perfect. We could be looking at it down the line and being like, you know everything went up another level because the defense, as much as the Heat are making it easy for them because of the personnel, because of their defense just looks dialed in and guys look really confident. Now, once that doesn't tip over into complacency and lead to a very rude awakening against, say, the Nets in the next round, what, what if it's the reverse? What if, like, Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis are, like, the world's best defenders because they've Cut. got they've had four games. Mm-hmm. Pat, to look at the the Miami Heat, and they just think, look, I can pack on it and think, I can lock, lock down anyone. You just, I mean, you just tried to go. <laughs> That's be been bad. awesome. That's been, been awesome. He's been really incredible. Uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, why not? Honestly, yeah. Why the, not? the thing, the Pat thing is, it's finally happening for the books. The books, rather than getting like Fred Van Vliet, before Fred Van Vliet was what he became. You know, yeah, oh like look, that entire Pat's, organization. Yeah, Pat's got uh, Pat's got hot at a good time for the books. It's literally it's the thing that happens against the books. Like it's happened nonstop for three years. That it's like, oh great, which role players are going to be this time? And finally, it seems like between Pat, between Bryn Forbes, that's going the books way. And you know, that's my pretty horrible books memories from the past couple of years suggest. Oh, that's the sign of a good team. That's the sign of a team that's where they need to be. And I know it's been something I've seen you even tweet about a good few times, like just the fact that the books didn't duck the heat. They came in. I wonder just even aside from that, their their approach and not being out in front, is there an element of, you know, they stayed ready and they didn't have to get ready? Because that goes back to not dropping a game one or dropping an early game in a series and having to have a reaction. Like it is very different to how we've seen them come into the playoffs, you know, putting aside that Pistons series from a couple of years ago, which really just wasn't even the playoffs. But, you know, they, they weren't, they didn't have two weeks on the shelf like they have had in recent years. Yeah, I, I think that plays into it too. I just think the the approach is a lot different. And I love, I'd still just, I'll always love that they didn't duck this matchup at all. 
and they're sh- they showed they're showing why every single game. They're <laughs> like, yeah, why, the, why did any of you think we would want to avoid this? This is great. We, this is exactly we, we what have we, the re- <laughs> we have the reporting from Zach Lowe today saying that there was a unanimous vote within the Bucks locker room saying, no, we're not avoiding this matchup yeah, whatsoever. Some, somebody brought it up like we could lose this and not play him, and every single person was like, hell nope. no. Nope. They even brought up that Celtic series where it's like they got they lost in seven games and then the next year they beat them in five. Like, Which is like I think there was I yeah I, I don't I don't know if I there's, a, there's a lot of differences. But yeah yeah like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the one who made that comparison. No yeah Bucks the, the Bucks did that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Sure if that works for them. But yeah but Adam getting back to what you were talking about earlier with the Bucks defense being completely locked in I thought that was encapsulated in the third quarter when we saw Jack Bauer after Jack Bauer. Mm. Jack Bauer is back. Great pull. For people who don't know, which could be the vast majority, unless all of our winning six listeners have very successfully poured it over and here, and I hope they are. Uh, a Jack Bauer dates back to the Jason Kidd era. It was a running gag. Well, a gag may be the wrong word. It was very serious business. Jordan and I used to keep a running count of Jack Bauer's, which is 24 second violations. The books would force their opponents. And it was pretty high. Like when when all the books did was blitz, the result was either they were getting torched with wide open trees or they were forcing 24 second violations. There was no in between. So it's it's good to see the Jack Bauer come back, but in in the framework of something that's actually working. It's always it's nice. It hasn't been a feature of the Bud era, but everybody loves some well-timed Jack Bowers. They're, because they're they're playing like a playoff team. They're playing like a team that, like you were saying earlier, that they've gone up against and lost to like the last couple of years, right? Like they're swarming around on defense. They are hunting for mismatches. They are actively exploiting every possible weakness for their opponent. And that's what's killed the Bucks in the past. They're learning. They're adapting. They're becoming what they've feared the most in years past. Yeah, and it's also, it's the, the locked-in focus. Like, I mean, it's... Uh, the example being um, my favorite of the Jack Bears, where they, he just had no idea there was even a clock. They just forgot that there was a clock that they had to be aware of while while playing in this game. And the books were just swarming all over them. I was like, oh, wait, it's okay. Like, that's it's such a role reversal on so much of what we've seen. The books are exactly where they need to be in terms of their mental space. And they're executing really well. And the coach is making good decisions. It's just all really kind of aligning very nicely. And it it might just be the first round. This might be against the Heat team that is looking far from impressive. But they have a gauntlet in front of them. So they needed to get going from the off. And they need to be, you know, serious and about their business from the beginning if they're to have any chance of getting through another series or getting out of the East. And the signs are good. I don't think we can ask for much more so far. I think my favorite defensive thing is like, they're just not losing guys anymore. I mean, throughout the regular season, we were pulling our hair out and I'm sure winning six, you guys were too of like, someone's just pops wide open in the corner. It's someone you really don't want open. I think I remember Drogic got loose at one point and I mean, three for 14, maybe they just weren't that pressed, but I think Drew lost him once. Other than that, lost hero once in the corner. I mean, that might be intentional. I mean, (laughs) it was it was the one three he made. I know, I know. He he shut me up. I said 
It's good he made his first shot. Guy's shooting 20% this series. I hope he plays confident the rest of the game. Shot 40% in this game. I feel like an idiot now. It really proved me wrong there, Tyler Harrow. Silencing the doubters as always. But I just like I just feel like they're not letting all those easy points squeeze out anymore. And the results are this absolutely dominating defense. It really the most encouraging part is it's like everybody on the roster. Like everybody comes in. I mean, maybe not Teague. Teague did not have a great eight minutes or whatever, but everybody who comes in has just been locked in on defense, not losing their guy, entirely focused. Like it does remind me a lot of the Nets games and the Sixers games late in the year where they just came out on a different energy and you could feel it all the way throughout. And that's the kind of thing you need to just hold up through whole series, especially now. Bucks are going to be the underdogs, at least by seed, for the rest of this run. They have to play the two seed and then the one seed if they get that far. Yeah, you're assuming a lot here, Ty. Well, yeah, I I said if they get that far. But, I mean, I think Vegas would probably favor them over Philly if we get there. But I digress. No, you're you're assuming it's going to be the one and the two seed. (laughs) You and your Philly does. Just just tremendous. Um, But you need to to play like that locked in all throughout. And everyone on the roster, at least everyone who plays, needs to to be like that. And they have. And I think keeping this thing at at a blowout all the way through is is super positive because this is one where you can let it go. And I know, Adam, you said it was over in the first quarter. I've seen the Bucs lose games that should have been over even later than the first quarter. The fact that they didn't, I still, I just find it very impressive. You can only lose if the other team can score. That's true. That is the the one thing I have. But yeah, it it is. That's that's true. But the other team also, I mean, are they capable of scoring? I mean, if you like the jury is out at this point. Bucks player out of the floor and just I don't know. I think Bam would be hiding down in the backcourt. Just put like the restricted area. Take out the restricted area and put all five Miami Heat players and have them run some actions against no one. I'm not sure how many baskets they would score. Ariza took it to the rack and just didn't go for the layup. I'm still thinking about that. It was open. No one was – someone was closing in from, like, the side behind him. It was an open layup for a six foot nine NBA player. And he's just like, I'm good. Technically. I, what is technically? Oh, NBA player. I was like, his height? Oh, I get it now. Um, Yeah, NBA player for now. But, yeah, it's it's bad. I feel like – I had so much strategy stuff I wanted to get to, and it's just been too busy slandering. Which well, we here we can get to another strategy thing. You mentioned this tie. Uh, Jeff Teague did not look great in his uh, five minutes and twenty six seconds of run. This, this was not the foretold Teague game. Yes, it was no, not. not. However, he might be seeing a bigger role going forward, given that Dante Divincenzo had to unfortunately leave this game with a left foot contusion in the second quarter, I believe, mm-hmm. of this game. So we have no idea what the severity of this injury is yet as we are recording, but we do know that Dante has struggled with foot injuries in the past and he looked like he was in a lot of pain. Again, I don't want to speculate on anything, but there is a possibility that we do not see Dante DiVincenzo for game four against the Miami Heat. Starting in the second half in his place was Bryn Forbes. So you would think that if Dante isn't able to go, Bryn Forbes would be the next guy to step up and then Jeff Teague would take whatever minutes that Bryn Forbes would eat up. Do you guys think that's the right approach? I don't think that's what's going to happen, honestly. Okay. I think I think he was so bad and Pat was so good that, that that's going to be – I think it's just going to be more minutes for Forbes and Pat. And I think maybe T gets a run like he did in this game, but I don't think he's guaranteed to play more than he did in this game. Like, I mean, this they lost Dante during this game and had to make these adjustments on the fly. Teague plays five minutes is terrible, and, and that's that. Like, I think he'll probably get more shots like this, 
But I think if Pat continues to make shots and, and Teague does not come in a little more hot next time, I don't think he's guaranteed to to play a real role. I think you've got to play some Teague because let's say Dante's out for two weeks. Like Teague is rusty. Teague hasn't played a whole lot. He's still kind of, I guess, settling in with the books too. You, you're right, I. Pat has been good. Bryn has been good. And, you know, the books would be just fine with Pat and Bryn in game four against the Heat if it was to go to a game five. They'd be fine. They're going to get through that with those guys. Let's say they get through it in game four, though. There's no more Jeff Teague minutes. And then you're playing the Nets. You might want some more ball handling. Yeah. And it, it gets pretty dicey when it, even pre, maybe one of the best examples of this came pre Dante um, coming off injured because I think it might have been Brin. Could No, you know what it wasn't. It was Bobby Portis, but we had Dante, Bobby Portis, Pat with Giannis and Chris and <laughs> Dante Portis and Pat just went to work on the left side of the floor on their own. And Giannis and Chris stood out in the right wing. And I was like, am I losing my mind? What's going <laughs> on here? And th- it was a little bit of that for Dante early on. Like I think either the first or second possession of the game, he was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm driving straight to the rack. And you're like, no, Dante, don't, don't do that. But he is, he is an important cog. It just, He's important in making the whole thing work. Um, does that make sense? Not always, not entirely. Do I want to ask why? No, but I just, we can all go along with it. Like he is important to making it work in spite of his flaws. And I, I also like Brian is, things have been going really well for Brian. I don't know about Brian in more of a starting role. I don't know if that's a good thing. We'll see, I guess. I think they might they might end up accidentally unlocking something if Dante misses a couple of games. I, th- I do think there's a chance it works really well. Like mm-hmm. the the issues with Brenner on defense, and I I don't have much for you there. He's gonna try. I, he hasn't gotten played off the floor yet. He hasn't he gotten gets, roasted. And if he gets roasted, then you just pull him and, and play PJ or Dante or, or or Pat or what whoever maybe T whoever else. But you know what they could do. I'm sorry, just thinking this. This is really like. It would be weird, but I also think it would just completely destroy the heat as they could start Portis. Oh, yeah. I, start I Portis, like go idea. big. And then you've got Chris on Duncan. Like, there's nowhere else that there's nothing that he can do with that. You've got Giannis on Butler at all times. That's kind of what you're wanting to do defensively anyway. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, if, if Bam is going to be on, uh, on Giannis at times, well, okay, well, you know, you've got Bobby Portis and Brooke then to just absolutely mash on. Like as if as if the Heat have had any chance on on the glass as it is, if the books aren't that way, it could just be brutal. They could absolutely destroy them in the first quarter. Um, I guess like they have the last two games, to be <laughs> fair. But I that's something that in a lot of ways I like, doesn't make sense. Maybe it's not the Maybe it's not the long-sighted option to take. It's not the one you're going to go with if you're thinking about, okay, well, if Dante's out for two weeks or something, what are we going to do against the Nets? But I think for just you know continuing to embarrass the Miami Heat and wrap this up as quickly as possible, Porter's coming in. The book's going big. Could be an option. I honestly think like as much as Dante provides in different areas, you could sell me on either of the best three bench players. PJ, Bryn, or Bobby Portis, 
coming in and starting and it just unlocking something wild for that group. Cause I just think all three, I mean, PJ, obviously the defense is just ridiculous if he's starting and the corner threes have been good as he's been a buck. So that's, that's solid. I think that's honestly, if, if PJ was more of just a small and they didn't want to have him as, as a bench big, I think he makes a lot of sense starting with this group. I think they have so much shot making already that if all, if, if, if all you get from him on offense is like corner threes and some offensive rebounds, that's probably just fine. I mean, that's, Mm-hmm. More than you get with Dante some nights when his shot isn't falling. And then obviously the the Forbes and Portis upside is similar with Bobby. It's just a bigger version, but like you just, you can never leave that guy now. And that's just so hard for defenses when you've got Chris and Giannis and Drew Holiday working their own thing. Like now, if you send help from the weak side and, and whichever the two is over there, you just like, that's three points. I mean, you can't leave those guys in the corner. So you know, as good as Dante is at a lot of different things, not all at once, one of those knockdown shooters out there instead, like the starting group might just be pure fire. And it could not work. I mean, they they all have their limitations too. Dante is the most well-rounded, which I think is why he's still the starter when healthy. But I, it, it wouldn't shock me. But obviously you want to get everyone back healthy and, and be fully ready for Brooklyn. Hopefully that's what happens. Not giving Boston a chance, Ty, are you? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, mean, I don't we, know. I don't, I don't know how fired up their players are going to be to play for uh, Danny Ainge's team right at the moment. So, Oof. not giving them a chance. Oof. Um, well, I guess we going back to like talking about like big lineups. We've seen even good in this change game, of subject there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we saw a lot of like we saw a little bit of run with like Bobby Portis and PJ Tucker and Giannis a little bit like during that. this game. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a, like I think it could be a decent lineup. I'm trying to pull up the numbers right now, and I can't I can't do it on the fly. Random aside, as you pull it up, the uh, I think something that struck me in this game, I think we saw the best Giannis not on the floor Bucks lineup that we've seen since Giannis has been on the team. I think it was the second quarter when they had Drew, Bryn Forbes, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, and Bobby Portis. Like that is a squad that is very capable, very capable offensively. And it has enough defense, at least to hold up. Like, if you can run up lineups like that and three of the guys, four, or, yeah, three of the guys are bench players, like, that just shows that this team has more weapons than I think we're used to. Okay, so this this three-man lineup cannot really stop the ball against the Miami Heat, which is very <laughs> interesting to me. Like, they have a defensive rating of 120.8, but my goodness, they have an offensive rating of 136. <laughs> That'll get the job done. I wonder how much of the defensive rating comes from game one. I feel like Portis had his it's worst game. It's 12 total minutes. So oh, it's a very, okay. very, very small sample size. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's an intriguing proposition here, just going big. And I don't. if you want to smother the Miami Heat, you can do it pretty easily. And there is also, there's kind of an interesting just... I guess it's a larger kind of philosophical question on how you approach the playoffs. We've been so keen to see the books tailor their approach and make matchup based adjustments that you don't necessarily have to do something that's going to feed into the Nets series here you just you deal with one thing first and the answer for the heat is not to to go smaller it's to go bigger because they just have no answer for that so there's kind of I don't know I, I do think it would be an easier call for them if they had some more guard play and particularly, you know, playmaking backup guard. If George Hill was still on the team, 
obviously that's where your minutes are going. But I don't think it's the same kind of issue because you're able to look ahead and say, if we need more of that against the Nets, we've got a guy who can do it. As things stand, like, do they want to play Jeff Teague against the Nets? Almost certainly no. They may have to. And where he's at with the team, where he's at with his own game, with his own health, what will that look like? It might just be worth putting him out there. I mean, yeah, you, with you've the won way, me over on playing him in game four. With the way things are, the books have enough kind of room to maneuver. You know, you can you can probably let fifteen points slide if Teague is out there and be like, okay, that's not working. He needs to go and sit and still win the game comfortably. Like that's how it's been the past two games. I, I just think it might be something that they need to figure out. It's. It's not a comfortable one because he's not going to be top of anyone's list to be playing against the Brooklyn Nets. But I, this is, it's their weak spot is they don't have a, a really good kind of core backup point guard on the roster. I Going back quickly to what you mentioned about Bobby potentially starting, I actually think it's a, a safe bet. I actually think he will start right now because I would anticipate the Bucks expect one of Bielitsa or Deadman to join the starting five for game four. And if that happens, starting Bobby could not be an easier decision because you're not worried at all about him checking up either of those guys defensively. It lets you still put Giannis on Butler and have a bunch of switchability and length out there. You're going to gobble up the boards. Bobby is destroying either of those players on, on offense. I think it makes a ton of sense, actually. So I'm I'm with that, too. Um, yeah. Speaking I, of uh, Bobby Portis, the quick aside here, do you want to know how ahead. locked in this team is? Bobby Portis dunks on Tyler Hero in this game and immediately runs back on defense. Like <laughs> yes. he didn't even stop and celebrate. Like that's that was a that's good dunk you know. too. It was, was really it was really dunk. nice. And that's how you know that this team is locked in. If Bobby Portis isn't staring down whoever he dunks on and is immediately running back in a game where they're up 20 plus points, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. He's Can I been, say just uh, you'll both enjoy this, but as a you know vocal noted Bobby Portis critic, uh, I've been impressed. There we um, go. Now don't get too carried away because my concern all along has been like what happens if Bobby Portis has to play against the Brooklyn Nets? It's going to dominate. Uh, um, I hope so, Ron. I hope so. It's. I think my thing with him is he's just like been perfectly vocally bought in all along and more than just saying the stuff, which the quotes are all fantastic. Like you can see it. Like it's something like that where you can just see it. I mean, the being the perfect enforcer in game two, the dunk and, and being all business in game three, like he's clearly craved being on a team like this, where he's going to be put in good spots. The team is going to win games. Like it's not, it's just everything. The stars I think are aligning a little bit for Portis. Can and, you imagine if Miami had Bobby Portis? He'd it, it they'd be better. It'd still they'd be, be down 03, but they'd be better. It'd be a they lot just, better. They just need warm bodies, like any yeah. kind of warm body out there, and they're better. But Bobby Portis, they'd be a lot better. Portis is channeling something that is reminiscent of what Ton used to be able to draw on in the playoffs. Like, Except like if completely he was different, completely right different player. <laughs> um, but it's just it's the kind of the energy that you could see he's kind of fueling off the buy-in in terms of attitude is very Ton Maker. Um, that may be, you know, that may play out over the fullness of time for better and for worse. Oh, no. But right now, it's like, you know, the Bradley Center's on its feet, Ton's blocking <laughs> shots, Delhi's about to have a scoop layup, you know. <laughs> Everything's good, but we'll Look see as it goes on. Come, man. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> 
I do think this also is just like one of the most fun Bucks teams to watch and root for. Like all the players who play, you're just like expletive. Yes, that guy. Like all of them, I'm just like, let's go. I'm so glad they jettisoned Karuks before this. He would have been oh, such yeah. a blight. Get, the, get get him out of there. They did it. They took care of that. Elijah Bryant, a breath of fresh air. Uh, Jordan ready to put up bricks and garbage time. Sorry, Elijah, Elijah Bryant. <laughs> Jordan's the number one expert in the world on him, so we're glad we have him. Unfortunately, he couldn't. If make anyone it. listening needs to do an interview to ask questions about Elijah Bryant, Jordan is available. Jordan's the guy. Yeah. Jordan is the. Elijah I say bricks. He was two for three tonight. Yeah, I, was, I didn't know what he, you were. I, he bricked one three. That's you were thinking of Wara. Oof, oof. He was taking some shots, though. Jordan Wara is what Adam thought Bobby Portis was going to be, except a little smaller. <laughs> Ooh, Jordan Wara just saw there's an opening in the starting lineup here. I've got an audition. <laughs> That's all that was. Yeah, he, next he year, definitely Jordan. had an next audition. Year. Next year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much more I have to talk about this game or series. I mean, I think, I think it's pretty indicative of how things are going and that we've all kind of wandered to talking about how things will look against Brooklyn. I think that's where we're at now is like, hmm, what can we try out that'll work against the Nets? I will say this. I did not realize how much I despised the Miami Heat until now. Just the pure vitriol towards that organization is encapsulated by the absolute joy I feel by this absolute butt kicking. Marv roasting their fans was one of the highlights. Wait, he did? He said, at least there were 17,000 at the start of the game. Oh, my goodness. In, like, the third quarter, he was already getting on him about streaming of the exits. And then I know Jim Paschke got on it, too. There so was, he, yeah, Paschke and Marcus were having a lot of fun about the counting. <laughs> they made a, a bit, almost as many jokes as I did on Twitter. The <laughs> they're like, they're going by that. We have to count by the tens now. Or something. Tell us, Ty, about the TNT, the timer for Yance's oh, free This is an oh, actual... Yeah. This is an actual graphic they put up on screen. Yeah, I don't think they they didn't do it throughout the game, but some of the earlier ones they they ran the timer. I think on about four free throws. That's just weird. Like, yeah, what does TNT have against the Bucks? There's an obsession with this now. They wanted to cut away from this game so badly. Oh, they really did. <laughs> they were like, "Do we have any bones reruns? Can we, can we start uh, Lakers Suns early? Can we just get? Can we just <laughs> they were get talking about it. Trust me, they were talking about it. Also, Marth really thought Bielitsa started game two. I don't know why he played 12 minutes. He did not start. His, I had to go the check last couple games. Yeah. Marv's, like three Marv's times. almost on the beach. You I was know, like, who is like, he thinking of Kendrick Nunn is the player who started game two and is now not starting. Marv's yeah. polishing up his golf clubs in his mind. <laughs> yeah. He's getting ready for some new horizons. He's ready I, to I, retire. I do have one so more thing we. I want to talk about. I lied. Sorry, Rohan. I know you, you had a really good segue, but. I want to give some extra praise to Brooke Lopez, despite the questionable offense, just losing the ball, probably getting hacked for sure. Shouldn't have brought the ball down, but I digress. Has been so good this series. I am now convinced that I was right before I read the Brooke Lopez has watched reading materials that changed my mind. And I, I knew he was a 16 game player and I should have stuck to my guns. My hot take from this game is actually, I think he's going to be more useful than people think in the next round. I think there's going to be some utility against Brooklyn. I don't think he plays this many minutes. I think it's probably closer to 24 than 32. But I think when DeAndre Jordan is out there, maybe even Nick Claxton, he's just going to be able to do some valuable things. Uh, I think I think there's something there, even next round, even though it is a, such a tough matchup for a, a plotting big guy, 
I think that he's going to provide some some assistance. It's the revenge series. He's going to remind everyone who the real net super team was. Exactly. Brooke and it's also Lynn. should have signed Jeremy Lin. Just sure. Um, <laughs> it's also going to be more important when we inevitably preview this series that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> talking about Jeff Green and his absence, like you're going to see a lot more DeAndre Jordan, a lot more Nick Claxton minutes, unless they just go uber, uber small. We'll see. But Brooke Lopez is going to have a, even more of a role, like you were mentioning, because those guys are going to be playing more minutes in Jeff Green's absence. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fascinating series. I, I just I hope it's a classic one way or another. But very much unlike this one, which ah, I don't actually for me it's been a classic. I'm oh, it's been an absolute. It's been it's been so much fun. Is this like, the beating, most enjoyable series that since we've been covering the team? Oh, absolutely, by far, by far. Like the Pistons was fun because it was like the first playoff series they'd won X amount of years. But it was also just like I felt bad for them. Yeah, like I really did. I feel zero remorse for this Miami oh, Heat no. team. I want the Bucks to win by more. Like thirty is not enough. <laughs> they need to win by like forty or fifty next game. They just need to absolutely push this franchise into the ground below the dirt. Pat Riley needs to be on his way out. He needs to be pulling a Marv. Needs to be thinking about <laughs> retirement. That's how bad wow. that they need to beat this Heat team. Because they need to have zero future whatsoever. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's bulletin board material. <laughs> I, it's possible that, you know, Rohan's going to inspire the Heat to you know, <laughs> at least a game four victory based on that. My answer to follow this that up. This team thought they would get tame. Giannis. They plan their entire freaking future. I'm getting Giannis. No, he's ours. <laughs> For me, no, this isn't the most enjoyable. That was the Celtics. The Celtics, remember how much they just like completely combusted? They were a good team and they just completely <laughs> turned on each other. Kyrie, like it, they finished the Celtics. The Celtics that Danny Ainge had built. And, you know, I don't need to make trades because this is what I've got. And then, yeah, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving. How did that work out? You know, uh, yeah, I think honestly, looking back, I probably just don't feel the same way about it because of what happened next. I think if it were not for that, then maybe I look back at that series and have. Plus, I'm a prisoner of the moment. But plus, Boston took a game. Yeah, that's. Well, but that's. That I don't it, have a problem with that. That's sweet. almost better. Like yeah. they took a game and then the books rolled. Ah, it's like we don't although, care. Although I would prefer what's happened in this series to. To that result, I would rather sweep. I think it's in this situation. I think a sweep is better. Plus, we're seeing we're seeing the Bucks in this series compared to the Boston series just try to decimate that franchise. Like they were not trying to decimate Boston. Boston did that to themselves. Mm. I think <laughs> the, the Bucks, Bucks are doing that. To lucky the then they were a little. They were less serious. I think that was the first year they were really good. It was fun. But this 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 is a different vibe to prisoners me. at a moment is right. I don't know. Nah, this, I don't we'll think revisit they were this like summer. Uh, but hopefully, like they sweep the nets, and then we can just agree that that's like <laughs> that would be number one. Answer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is very fun. <laughs> we're at a point in this series where Pat Riley's going to have to tip the rings onto the court and take out multiple Bucks players for the rest of the series in order for the team to have a chance. So. That's all he's got left. Got to use him for something. Yeah, what, definitely what not. Did why would Pat Riley do to you, Ron? He didn't. Do, he he wanted to say Giannis away. Yeah, I feel like that's enough. Unsuccessfully. The one thing that this makes me, and when I hear Rowan talk so passionately, what it reminds me of the team that I feel that way about is the Toronto Raptors. 
And when we talk about the Celtics and the fact that the books got revenge a year later, and we talk about the Heat and the fact that the books are going to get revenge a year later, I'm really upset that they didn't get a yeah, chance. Yeah, see, I'm, I think this would have been even sweeter if it was against the Raptors. The thing is, you have to make the playoffs to qualify. Exactly, this. it's true. So it, that's not the Bucks' fault. That's just the Raptors' fault. They're doing that to themselves. Like, it's not even funny. Like, why would you want to compare yourself to a non-playoff team? It's not fun beating up on a non-playoff team, right? <laughs> well, at least they were able to sell off some of their key veterans for pieces to help them rebuild, which they clearly sorely need to do, right? I mean, yeah, that's I think beneficial. Kyle Lowry's going to leave. Masai's leaving. Like, what's the point? <laughs> future Buck. Maybe two Future Bucks. Yeah, why not? We got vet min lying around, Kyle. Yeah, he would, I think he'd actually want to play for a contender. Maybe uh, does this does this dash too. Kyle Larry to Miami as well? Does he just take a look at this and be like, Nah, nah, nah fam. yeah. <laughs> but seriously, it could happen. Well, he's like running that. out of spots. It was supposed to be this or the Clippers, right? Or maybe, I guess maybe Lakers. But if he's considering the Clippers, go, that's, go home to I Philly, Philly. Was, was the one that makes sense. And they won't look get at the heat until the conference finals. If they make it that far, yeah. If they if they do get embarrassed before that, they're gonna get really embarrassed. Rohan Rohan is living if that happens. He's been waiting. Oh my goodness. There's there needs to be video taken of what I'm gonna do if that happens. <laughs> That's why we have the podcast. We'll put for out sure. the full YouTube for that one. No, I need like security footage outside my apartment building. <laughs> God. <laughs> On that note. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens when we get there. Ty, I am a little upset at you. You ruined my perfect segue to end the pod, man. Can I can I ruin one. can I ruin this one that may not be perfect? Sure. This one wasn't as good. I've one plug to do. Oh, um, of course. Which which benefits all of us. So for those who've listened to the most recent uh win in six, the mailbag episode, our first, you know, win in six non-crossover to go out on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Um we talked a little bit about our fantastic rebrands that we're really excited about, our great new logo. And to mark that occasion, we're doing the first of what will probably be a couple of giveaways. The first is our old logo we've had for quite a long time. It's retired. There's one piece of merch left in the world. There will be one last T-shirt printed. If you want it, original Win and Six logo. There's only like two handfuls of people in the world who have this stuff. You could be one of them. I think Ty, you might, maybe not. Maybe you only bought your I own do. merch. Yeah, yeah I do. you only bought your own merch. So that makes sense. Uh, but if you want, if you want it, what you can do is go rate and review the Eurostep Podcast Network wherever, wherever it is you listen. Um, preferably Apple Podcasts, yeah. right? But look, if it's somewhere else, I'm not going to disqualify that. Good vibes wherever you want to leave them. Um, either send us a DM at win in six podcasts, that's a numerical value six, or send us a tweet and you'll go into the draw. We're going to do a draw on June 1st, and the lucky winner will get the final ever original win in six logo pod, uh, win in six podcast logo t shirt, just to make that nice and confusing. Um, and yeah, there may be there may be some other giveaways down the line because we've got a great new look and we're very excited about it. It is fire. Uh, for the first time it's, ever. It's absolutely incredible. First time ever. Podcast logo envy. It's gorgeous. So it's it's perfect for winning six too. Cause it's like, you know, it's it's retro. It's like it's off. It's just it's strikingly different in a refreshing way. You're welcome for that quote. Thank you. That's is cool. that we got a press release with that? Oh. Yeah, that's what we do now. We put out press releases. <laughs> I mean, hey, it works. 
<laughs> Shout out the Oshkosh Herald, baby. Yeah, that was that was an incredible feature. Thank you to the Oshkosh Herald for that. Um, yeah, we've done all of our plugs necessary here. No, make sure you enter that giveaway. That is an absolutely fire giveaway here. That's how you know that you're an OG of Bucks content if you have one of those. So make sure you enter that. And thank you everyone for listening to this Eurostep win and six crossover post game three of the Milwaukee Bucks versus poverty franchise. Uh, hey, I mean, if they're embracing it, we might as well say it as well. Oh. This is not a shot at any individual person. Oh. I wouldn't say that. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, we do appreciate that. Make sure you're subscribed on your podcast. <laughs> um, leave that five-star rating. Make sure you enter the contest. Uh, make sure you check out all of the content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.